Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. All glory to Jesus. Let's give Jesus a shout of praise. We bless you, Lord. We worship you, God of glory, King of glory. Who is this King of glory? Who is this King of glory? The Lord mighty in battle, the Lord strong and mighty. We love him this morning. It's all about Jesus. Amen. I am so, it's just been such a a thrill. I love what you said. This is such an, an easy landing strip. My wife and my daughter who are here with me, they'll probably be at the second service, but we were literally just talking about, because my daughter was lamenting. She's like, oh, the conference is over. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, we have to leave. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, this is sad. You know, because, and, and that's rare because they travel with me a lot and, and to a lot of different spaces. And that's not usually the, the response. Uh, but this is a thin place, a place where heaven and earth touch. And it's easy to breathe. It's easy to feel. There's just a shalom. There's a peace that rests on this place. The other day I said it was like a flow. Catch the flow. <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm wanting to rap. They call it freestyle or flow. Let it go. Let yourself flow. Catch the fire. Catch the tempo. There's a rhythm. There's a rhyme. When I step into this place, I lose track of time because eternity and space has broken into this place. We got Duncan Smith on the front row with the next generation ready to go. Hey. <laughs> Maybe I should wrap the whole sermon. I'm catching the flow, baby. <laughs> That's how you turn. That's how I turn. That's how I burn. When I catch the fire, everybody going to learn about the knowledge of God. I'll, don't think it's odd. <laughs> Doing push-ups for my spiritual bod. Okay, anyway. <laughs> let me let me go. Jesus. <laughs> He's the one who frees us. Best believe us. <laughs> session three. This is not session three. This is session three in my, my mind because it's my third sermon. But this morning, I'm continuing in the theme that uh, the Lord had me begin on Friday which is understanding or unlocking apostolic grace for the age in which we live, that God is raising up the true prophetic and the true apostolic. Meaning that in the the contemporary uh, context and environment, there are actually much fewer real... let, let Let me rewind this. There are fewer prophets than we actually think. There's a huge prophetic movement, but there are fewer true prophets than we actually believe. And there are fewer apostles than we perceive. But there are true apostles in this day. I believe this is an apostolic house with true apostolic leadership. I also believe that's why the Lord has had me begin to uh, release this series of messages. But we've looked at entering Eden and living from a place of delight. Last night, we began to dive deeper into what it means to uh, have an apostolic encounter and move in a place of revelation and live in a place seated with Christ in heavenly places as we engage the earth in which we live. The grace of hope and the grace of ascension, ascending the hill of the Lord. What does it mean to live from an ascended place? And now we're talking about understanding the mystery. Somebody say understand. Understand. 
the mystery. In Ephesians 3, it says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. We have to, we have to pause and make a note there. And this should come up on your screen or you can turn to it. Ephesians 3. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. Now, uh, what I'm kind of known for and what I get uh, pulled on a lot in this hour is to speak to uh, civil and social issues. I'm not a civil and social engineer. I'm not just an activist. I'm not just the race guy. I'm a Jesus guy. I've always been a Jesus guy and it's always been about Jesus. So I've, I've, I've tried to avoid just going to the racial conversation. However, the true prophetic voice is like the sons of Issachar. They're able to understand the times The sons of Issachar were a tribe of mighty men, warriors that are chronicled in the book of Chronicles. And you you read about those who who slayed 3000 with the jawbone of a donkey. You hear of the supernatural giftings of these mighty men. But the gift of the tribe of Issachar was the ability to look at the landscape of what's happening in culture and discern the times. And it said they understood the times. And they knew what Israel should do. They didn't just watch Fox News or CNN and MSNBC and come up with a good opinion. They watched it and then they had an ear to heaven. And they said, now here's what God says do. So they had the ear of the king. Paul immediately makes the apostolic gospel about race and ethnicity in this verse. I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. Paul is a Jewish man. And we read a little bit. I don't know if I got to it because we got to a lot of things last night. But in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, are they Hebrew? So am I. Are they Roman citizens? So am I. He basically goes, I'm, if, if you're a Jew, I'm a Jew too. And in fact, I'm more Jewish than you are. That's like me saying, are you black? Well, I'm blacker than black. <laughs> oh, oh, you have privilege. You have power. You have station. You got to understand in the context, the Jews are being oppressed by Rome. So the Romans are the high class. The Jewish people are the low class and the, the, the government is oppressive. The police are brutal. And he says, oh, not only am I Jewish, but I'm also a Roman citizen. So I have access to the corridors of power, not as a slave, but as somebody who's supposed to be there. And he goes, but I, Paul, a Jewish man and a Roman citizen, I'm a prisoner of Christ on behalf of the Gentiles who are not only not Jewish, And the the gospel was to the Jew first. The promise, the Abrahamic promise was to the Jew first. He says, God has raised me up to be the most scholarly among the Hebrew scholars, to be the most learned among the learned, to be the most, the most powerful among the powerful. And yet he has brought me to the lowest position of a bond slave and a servant for people who do not look like me or have the same culture or cultural expression, experience or preference as me. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? Some people are like, well, let's not, the church shouldn't be talking about the racial issue. That's CRT. That's blah, 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 blah. We need to preach the gospel. What gospel are you preaching? A gospel that says, go and make disciples of all ethnicities. The apostolic gospel is about the nations. That means the missionary which last night, hopefully, if I did my job, we understand that all of us are missionaries. The missionary should be, should possess the highest cross-cultural IQ of any other people on the earth. We should have the most understanding, the most empathy, the most compassion, the most agility culturally of anybody on the earth. Because this is the apostolic gospel. This is the mandate. 
So he says, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation, look at your neighbor and say, by revelation, look at your other neighbor and say, by revelation, he made known to me the mystery. Somebody say the mystery. As I briefly already written by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. He says, by revelation, surely you've heard. I'm a pretty popular guy. Surely you already know what I know. You know that I'm one of those who know the mystery. And I understand the mystery because I received it supernaturally by revelation. And now my mandate is to make all see that which in verse 5 in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the spirit. Somebody say by the spirit. To his holy apostles and prophets. Now last night I talked about the the apostolic has not gone away. The prophetic has not gone away. So if that's the case, if God made known to Paul the mystery, has God stopped making known the mystery? So when you peer into the ethereal and eternal realm, there is a knowing An understanding that gets supernaturally imparted in that place. Last night I shared over the course of the last two sessions, I've shared two separate experiences where I saw heaven open. And I being unlearned and untrained, believe it or not, I am not the smartest tool in the shed. I can sound like it. I can be all things to all men. You put me in the academic halls and I'll go toe to toe like I know what I'm talking about. To make it as a black man in America, you got to learn how to fake the funk sometimes. I'm just being real. But I was invited to speak at Harvard and MIT in the Berkeley School College of Music in Boston like three years ago. And to be honest, I was nervous. I was like, dude, I'll be the dumbest guy in a 500 mile radius of Boston, Massachusetts. So I was so scared. I was like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen during the Q&A time? They're going to ask me questions with words that I do not understand. (laughs) Masters and doctoral students quizzing me and grilling me on on different issues and questions. And I was nervous. I was literally afraid. And I don't don't spook easy. I don't get afraid. But I'm like, man, I don't want to look like a fool. And the Lord says, do not be dismayed before them. he, He says, I want you to speak everything I've commanded you to speak. Lean not on your under your own understanding, but by every word that proceeds from my mouth. So I go into and I present a little slideshow, like a 20 minute presentation, lecture type deal, room full of brilliant, the world's brightest students. And and I'm sitting here and now it's time for the dreaded panel discussion. And do you know there was a super I literally a supernatural intelligence the same way when I'm preaching, there's sometimes where I'll hit a point. If you've, if you've preached before and you hit something, you're like, there it is. That's the anointing right there. Stay right there. I felt the same anointing come on my mind. And I knew what questions they were going to ask before they even said it over the microphone. It was crazy. I've never experienced it. It was a supernatural and anointed mind. The the genius of heaven manifesting in a moment. When you are connected to the eternal knowledge of God, he will unlock mysteries in, in the father's house. You can actually be connected to the mind of God. This is our portion. So when you peer into the ethereal, there is a knowing or an understanding that gets supernaturally imparted. A spirit that Paul said that you might be strengthened with a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the will of God. So last night I talked about revelation in the heavens. An encounter with God should not just be for you to have bragging rights about an awesome encounter with God. It does something. Somebody say being in the presence of God. Changes everything. So the revelation encounters that I had 
settled the past. It, it dealt with identity issues in my life. It settles the past, clarifies the present, and provides hope for the future. We're going to see three ways that we see God doing this in the Gospels. And so, the Apostle John, last night I talked about the grace of ascending, the grace of ascension. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. John is on the Isle of Patmos, and we see here in Revelation 4, He says, after these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. Some people are like, what's going to happen next? We've, we've gone through a global pandemic. We've had a racial reckoning. We've got a Ukraine war. We've got all these different uh, things happening. We've got uh, economic crisis looming. We've got these things. What's going to happen in 2023? What, what's going to happen? And God says, come up here. And I will show you what must take place after this. And immediately I was in the spirit. Behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And then in Revelation 5, he goes on to describe other things he sees around the throne. He says, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed to us to God by your blood out of every tribe. Somebody say every tribe. And every tongue. And every people. And every nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Revelation 7. After these things, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all ethnos, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. John is looking at the eternal song of salvation in the book of Revelation where all the nations, after all their political messiahs, have failed. After everybody anointed a civil rights movement leader and thought that leader could lead the nations into justice, but that justice was only temporal. It was only uh, 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 incremental. It was only able to accomplish so much, but it wasn't the fullness. And after everybody rallied around some kind of political leader and got energized and crazed by their political party and their political party standards, but they realized that the political party standards still could not meet the standards of God. Our our, our messiahs could not save us. So eventually the eternal song goes, you know what? Salvation does not belong to Barack Obama. Salvation does not belong to Donald Trump. Salvation does not belong to Joe Biden. Salvation belongs to our God. Who sits on the throne of government. Whose throne is established in righteousness and justice. It belongs to him and to the lamb. The apostolo, the sending forth is to all nations. But here's the mystery. In Ephesians 3, Paul, Paul, in the realm of revelation and encounter, understands this. He says, the mystery is in Ephesians 3, verse 6, that the Gentiles, somebody say that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Do you know the mystery that was hidden throughout all the ages that the angels longed to peer peer into that the sons of man did not get or understand? Here's the mystery. That Paul figured out the mystery of Christ is this, that the gospel, which was first for the Jew, is now 
also for the Gentile. And that the Gentiles, that means anyone who is non-Jewish. That means if you're Indian, if you're African, if you're Asian, if you're Australian, if you're Pacific Islander, if you are, it, it, it means that this gospel, if you are a Gentile, what was once first for the Jew is now also for the Gentile. And we are co-heirs with Israel through Christ. Look, we have to, somebody say, understand the mystery. See, this was hidden throughout the ages. This is the mystery of the gospel. Now, in order to ascend, I'm going to return to that, but in order to ascend, somebody say, how do we ascend the hill of the Lord? Very practically, one of, one of the first things you have to do is fix your mind. Look at your neighbor and say, fix your mind. Not everybody talked. I need y'all to understand. I, I'm going to remind you, I am a black preacher. And in a black church, everybody talks. Whether you want to or not. So I'll just say it again until I see every mouth moving. Look at your neighbor and say, fix your mind. There we go. Now give God a hand clap of praise. Colossians 3, 2 says this. Set your minds on things above, not on things below. Set your mind on things above. How do you begin to to understand the mystery of God? How do you ascend the hill of the Lord? Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. If your intake of information and your reality is being shaped more by the things on earth than the things of heaven, then your worldview is going to be completely off. If your first response when something bad happens is to start Googling and getting on social media to see what everybody else is saying about it, rather than saying, wait a second, spirit of God, what are you saying? Oh God, what are you doing? Another school shooting. Oh, let's not just go and watch all the pundits talk and pontificate about what we need to do legislatively. Stop for just one minute and go, God, give me your heart and your mind. Ooh, God. Secondly, Philippians 4 says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. I know I'm guilty. I feel deeply. I'm a passionate guy. I don't just intake news and it just passed through like it hits me. I feel I'm an empath. I feel it. And it's so easy for me to meditate on what's wrong. I'm a seer so I can see what's wrong. But he says, you know what? Don't dismiss what's wrong. But I need you to train yourself to meditate on whatever is true. Whatever is noble. Whatever is right. Not whatever is wrong. Especially if we have a prophetic gifting or wiring, we can see some stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes church people are the most critical people in the world. Well, I like that service. That sermon was good, but I just didn't really... That worship was okay, but uh, it just wasn't. Listen, God wants us to be an apostolic people. He wants us to ascend, to come up, right? And so it says in, in Psalm 119, the king, King David says this. I will meditate. Wait a second. Meditation. That sounds pretty Eastern to me. This is an Eastern gospel. We need to learn how to meditate. Like we should be a people of meditation. Why should the Buddhists know how to sit still for 12 hours in one place and meditate on demonic ideologies? Ram shakabamba, ram shakabamba for eight hours. No, 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 no. He says, David says, I will meditate. Do you know in meditation, you actually change location like the Buddhists and the Hindu, like you learn how to transport yourself into another realm. 
God has given us access to Eden. He's given us access to the heavenly realms. So our Bible study shouldn't just be a Bible study. When I go into my prayer closet, I'm like, honey, I'm going to the elevator now. I'm not here anymore. My daughter bangs on the door. Dad, dad. Sorry, I was in heaven. What? What do you need? Do you hear what I'm trying to say? I'm not, I'm not saying I ignore my family. Don't get that wrong. But this is what I'm trying to tell you. When you pray, when you read the Bible, do you go into the Bible with expectation that God is going to take you into his heart? He says, David says, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statues. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open up my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Please do not hide your commandments from me. This is King David. He's wrestled bears. He's killed giants. He has seen more in one lifetime than we could ever consume in movies. He's lived it. David has thousands, tens of thousands of chariots. Songs are being written about him. His exploits and his wonders. He's the king. He's got wives. He's got wealth. He's got it all. And he's saying, God, I will sleep the sleep of death. Lest you show me the wonder. My soul breaks with longing for your justice, for your judgments at all times. That's not, an, that's not a light statement. He's not like, my soul breaks. My soul breaks. I'm desperate with longing. So this is this hunger, this longing, this meditation, this setting our mind on things above is one of the ways that we we stay in the realm of revelation and understanding the, the, the place of mystery. Now, a second thing that it says in order for us to stay in the realm of mystery is Hebrews 12 says, pursue peace with all people as well as holiness without which no one will see the Lord. There's so much I could say about holiness, but holiness is more than just habitual sin. Holiness is more than a, porn, a, a pornographic addiction. Holiness is more than, than uh, immorality. This ties holiness to peace with all people, peoples, nations, ethnos. And we are in a time where there is an absence of peace with all people. This is partly because humans are tribal. We are, we are tribal people. We tribe up very quickly. We can easily create a tribe right now. In fact, our zip codes are tribes. Seriously, how many of you live in Durham? All right. What zip code do you live in in the Platcher? He's like, don't ask me. I have no idea where I live. <laughs> Sorry. What about you? What zip code do you live in? 27703. All right, somebody over here uh, from Durham. What zip code do you live in? 27703. Anybody in a different zip code than that? 27707. Now, which zip code is better? He said, well, the church is in 03, so 03 is holy and 07 is like debauchery. But as much as we laugh about that, do you know that in history, <laughs> cities and the zip codes were intentionally separated and divided between socioeconomic statuses? And there were actually things called restrictive covenants to keep people who look a certain way or sound a certain way or believe a certain way from living in 07 versus 03. The enemy is not creative. He does the exact same thing everywhere all over the world. If it wasn't a black white conversation, it can be a black black conversation. It can be a white white conversation. In Africa where everybody looks the exact same, you got civil wars. 
In America, in communities where everybody looks the same, I did gang intervention for years. You know what? If it ain't because you got lighter skin and you got darker skin, it's you wearing a lighter t-shirt. Now, and my allegiance is to a different colored t-shirt. It's because I was born at 16th in Crenshaw and you were born at 12th in Crenshaw and 12th and 16th don't like each other. So we're going to kill each other. We're tribal. And if it's not over, if it's not even that serious, we'll tribe up around our athletic teams. I liked you until you said you like Duke. And the funny thing is, it's funny and it's like, but you know, it's true. But for some people, their athletic teams are their church. This is their church. This is their religion. Some people will kill somebody if their team doesn't win a championship. So the Lord says this in first John four, no one has seen God at any time. And if we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him. Here's the litmus test. You say you're a Christian, but here's how you know. By this, we know that we abide in him and he abides in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent the son as the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Now here's, here's the key. Verse 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how in the world can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must also love his brother. Because God has incarnated, Jesus incarnated just not just as a baby. The incarnation of Christ is in the skin and the cultural expression of every people who has ever been created and born. Was that too much for Sunday morning? I need you to understand. I've been talking about ascending to this ethereal realm, but the, but the ethereal realm has been incarnated in the eyes of Duncan. The ethereal realm has been incarnated in the in the dialect of ash. When I hear an Irish accent, I'm hearing more of the sound of God's voice like the sound of many waters. When I see uh, an, an African worship, when I see uh, uh, the, the Kenyan uh, Maasai tribe in the way they jump like this. That is an expression of the glory and the beauty of God uniquely contained within that tribe. So if I'm in worship at Catch the Fire Raleigh and I see a kind of a long haired dude looking super cool up here. They cool, right? Let's give it up for the band. I especially want to thank my guy right here. I don't know your name. He jumped, he, Tato, he, that's a, that's a cool name. He, he, this brother, musicians are just cool, but he helped me out last night. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you. But if, when I see that, it looks radically different than the church that I grew up in. The church I grew up in, you had a choir and a choir director. It looks different. We're dressed different. It sounds different, but the truth is It's still God. And I had to learn. And this is the thing. If I come in here and I'm like, well, I just don't like that. Well, why can't they sing the song in English? This is America. You need to learn English. No. If you want more of God, you need to learn Spanish. I mean, this is what I'm trying to say is that we have to, God is not an American. So why do y'all keep talking about this racial stuff? 
This is George Soros. This is a leftist liberal agenda. No, this is heaven saying, you've been worshiping a God that looks like you and it's not me. And if you say you love me, but you cannot love me in the skin of your brother, then you don't love me at all. We are in a sheep versus goats moment where God is dividing. You will either be identified by your political tribe, your ethnic tribe, your sociocultural tribe. You'll be identified by some earthly tribe, but you will not be called his son and his daughter. Because in heaven, the whole family derives its name from the father who has redeemed us to himself through the blood of his son, Jesus. And around that throne is a multi-ethnic, multicultural family. And they're worshiping eternally beside one another in unbroken fellowship. So the racial conversation is not an issue of earth. It's an issue of heaven. And the mature bride, the apostolic church, will reflect Heaven on earth as it is in heaven. If you believe that it's just some CRT kind of sermon or whatever, then you've been indoctrinated and radicalized by the earth. God's coming after that immaturity. Because he's going to have for himself a pure bride. And if I sound angry... I'm not angry. I'm just passionate. (laughs) Another conflict. Because we're a people who discern the times and know what to do. There's language about anti-Semitism in the culture. We thought the black-white issue was a problem. But the actual... It's just a dress rehearsal for the controversy surrounding Israel. The apple of God's eye. I don't even, there's no way, I can't even begin to go into the dynamics of this. But I need you to understand, a a guy named Jerem Probe said this. The Israeli conversation is a conflict that has polarized between left and right, communists and capitalists, west and east, Christians and Muslims, developed and the developing. Even talking about the names as such would be deemed as controversial and divided. Michael J. Totten, an author from Portland, Oregon, said the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is what happens when an irresistible force meets an immovable object. Both Israelis and Palestinians are irresistible forces, and they're both immovable objects. Israel is one of the smallest uh, uh, nations in the world, and yet it is the center of global conflict. And there's scripture that explains why. Because Israel is going to be the seat of God's government eternally. Psalm 132, he says, see, I have chosen Zion. I have desired it as a dwelling place. There's so much I can lay out for you, but we have to understand the mystery. Somebody say, understand the mystery. In Ephesians 2. We see in scripture, Ephesians 2.14, it says, for he himself, Christ, is our peace. And he has made both Jew and Gentile. So there's enmity between Jew and Gentile, historically always has been. And then there's enmity or hatred between Gentile and Gentile. Enmity means deep-seated, often mutual hatred, a feeling or a state of hatred or animosity. But Ephesians 2 says, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one. Somebody say one. One. That doesn't say who has unified them. It says he's made them one. You need to understand a difference between unity and oneness. Unity, right now, you're looking at a display of unity. Right now, my, my shoes are united to my feet. Where I go, they go. How I move, they move. Without me, they can't do anything. But the problem is, I can break this unity at any given moment. Oh no, a tragic display of brokenness has just happened. 
Now I'm moving, but I can leave the shoe behind. Unity can be broken at any moment. But oneness is, a, it is an entirely different matter. John 17 didn't say, God, I pray that they would be united as we are united. He says, God, I would pray that they would be one as you and I are one. Oneness is still happening. See, my foot is a part of me. We are one. If I want to remove the foot and go somewhere without it, it's going to be a lot more painful. I got to work a whole lot harder. I got to get a saw. I got to go to a, 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 an emergency room and tell the doctor, I do not want to be one with my foot anymore. Will you help me with your surgical skill? Do you hear what I'm saying? Last time I checked, the Bible says we are one body with one father and one church with one head. And so the issue is not a unity issue. It's a oneness issue. God wants us to be one, to operate in the new man. And so in Ephesians 2, it says, it says, for he himself is our peace who has made both. Who has made both. Who has made both. I'm going to say it one more time till y'all sound black. Who has made both. Broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the hatred, the deep-seated uh, things that we were trained to believe about the other, the laws, that is, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. Do you know what an ordinance is? An ordinance is an authoritative decree or direction, a law set forth by a governmental authority, a municipal regulation, a prescribed practice or ceremony. There were ordinances that were written into the book books of America written into the cities coded into the communities in which we live so that we would not be one but it says Christ has become our peace and he has made us one and he's he's overturned every ordinance that prevents us from that oneness so that in himself he might create one new man from the two thus making peace that he might reconcile somebody say reconcile Reconcile them both to God in one body, one body, through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Now, I don't know if this dear sister is here this morning, but I have a testimony from last night. There was an 84-year-old woman in the audience here last night who's a member of this church. And we prayed for God to cast out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. John, 1 John 4 how, how, you, how do you know you are in the faith? You know if the love of God abides in you. And she said last night, and love drives out fear. fear. So last night, there was a supernatural manifestation of divine love. And this 84, precious 84-year-old sister, she's not in the room, I don't think. She came over to me. And she said, I moved here from the north during, during the Jim Crow era. And when you were praying for God to cast out fear, the Lord revealed to me that I've been delivered of many things over my lifetime. But there's this deep seated, deep rooted fear because I moved here during segregation and I've never had a relationship with a black man of any sort. And I have been afraid of black men. And she says, the Lord told me to confess to you my fear. And she says, the Lord has delivered me tonight. You guys don't know what a miracle that is. I'm here to tell you. I'm, I'm speaking prophetic. I need you to understand. I've been on the ground in hundreds of cities for the last eight years where there has been civil unrest. I have come face to face with terrorist groups whose desire is to turn the protest into violent confrontations because they believe that the only solution is a violent revolution. I've listened to even prophetic voices prophesy a coming race war. Prophecy is a warning, not a guarantee. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. You can either receive the warning of the coming bloodshed 
or you can stand with Jesus and speak a better word, a better blood. I've heard prophets say, well, it's inevitable. It's coming down to a war. Respected, well-known white evangelical prophets. I'll just say that who have said it's coming down to this, go to Cabela's, go to Bass Pro, buy your guns, stock up on your food. The economy's going to crash. The war is coming. Prepare yourselves. The leftist liberal agenda, the blah, blah, blah. If you keep buying into that bull stuff, you will agree with the side of Adam rather than the second Adam. I'm here to tell you right now, Come out of Babylon and come into heaven. Come into agreement with heaven. Last night was a sign to me. The Jim Crow population is getting older, but they're still with us. There are people, white and black, millions who grew up in the America that was not too far ago. And they are carrying trauma and wounding from that generation. And transgenerational wounding is being passed from generation to generation. And God says there is a balm in Gilead. There is salve. There is healing for this nation. And I believe we have eight months before the next election cycle. I believe we have eight months to agree with heaven And begin to contend for a supernatural mass deliverance from a spirit of fear. And a mass healing from the trauma of our racial history. You will never lay hold of that oil if you're tribed up. Do you hear me? You will never lay hold of the peacemaking healing oil if you are tribed up in an agreement with all the other narratives. We must ascend the hill of the Lord. Get connected to the one new man and operate as shalom makers in a world where there is no peace. Will you stand with me? Father, I'm asking right now. Maybe you're in this room and you're like, that's me. I need that deliverance this morning. I need that healing this morning. Father, I'm asking right now, would you stretch out your hand to heal? God, we repent right now. We repent. Lord, I'm asking, would you loose the grace of repentance from coming into agreement with everything that is anti-Christ, with everything that is resisting and rejecting your image within, within man? God, would you help us, Lord? We repent for believing other voices. Father, I'm asking right now that you would give us the mind of Christ. Father, I'm asking that you would loose the ministry of reconciliation on this company. God, I pray that what you did last night, God, from generation to generation, we would see the desolations of many generations restored. God, repaired. Lord, may this be a multi-generational family and a multi-ethnic movement of divine love. I pray for John 17 oneness out of Toronto. God, John 17, John 17. God, I'm asking that you would give white men and white women black sons and daughters. God, I'm asking that you would give black sons and daughters, Lord, to Asians and and Latina. God, I'm asking that you would cause a spirit of adoption. God, just as Paul was a Gentile and a bond slave, uh, a Jew and a, a bond slave to Gentiles, I'm asking for apostolic callings to people who do not look like us. God, I pray right now that you would raise up leaders out of every tribe and nation, an unusual family. God, I'm asking that those who are enemies in the natural would become the greatest allies in the spirit. Father, I pray that Africans would disciple the church in America. Look, there's an impartation for the church in the West to receive from the global church. There are Brazilians, there are Latina leaders, there are African leaders that I believe that are going to come into positions of leadership in movements like Catch the Fire. Even, I think there's something redemptive between Europe and, and, and America and Africa for the undoing, for the reversing of the curse from some things that came out of Europe. And I just believe that as you ask for it, 
God's going to raise up leaders of color that are going to carry the vision and the mandate. And they're going to come alongside. They're going to lift up your arms and you're going to lift up their arms and you're going to call them son and they're going to call you dad. And, 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 and likewise, I believe there are even African fathers that are going to come. You're going to call them father. And Lord, I'm praying for a multi-ethnic display of beauty and glory through Catch the Fire. God, that confounds the wisdom of this age. That throws down powers and principalities in 200 uh, places, God, in the nations, God, we're asking. I'm asking, God, that the spirit of the age will not be able to stand against Catch the Fire. God, I'm asking right now that there would be multi-ethnic beauty. God, multi-ethnic displays, even songs of, the, of revelation. God, even out of uh, Tato, is it, what's, what's the name? Tato. God, I ask, out of Latin America, God, let the songs of the Lamb come forth. Let the notes of heaven come forth, God. God, I'm praying right now that you would anoint the, the sound out of Latin America. God, I pray that there would be such a glorious display of Revelation 7 sound. Anoint this house. Anoint this messenger. Even leadership structures. I'm asking God for new models of leadership. We thank you. For the glory of the one new man being released in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.